All right, today I am here with Chana Gustetis, the Public Information Officer for Boulder County Public Health, and we're here today to talk about some of the coronavirus restrictions in Boulder County currently. Thank you for talking to us today, Shauna. My pleasure. So for our first question, we're really wondering what was the initial reaction of Boulder County Public Health when they first heard about COVID-19 in the United States and then Colorado and then in Boulder County? So Boulder County Public Health has been preparing for a response to a pandemic for over a decade. So we have been, we were tracking the pandemic uh, before it was called a pandemic in, in um, China and, and the other countries. So we weren't surprised, but we did begin planning in January, um, setting up our instant command system and tracking what was happening in other countries and beginning to think about staffing. So I, I guess my, our response is we weren't surprised and we began to prepare. Do you feel like that preparation has paid off so far? Yeah, I would say our preparation was good as much as we were able to prepare not knowing the changes that were going to be happening and the, the change in the actual virus itself and not understanding fully how the governor or the president of the United States were going to respond. So I think our preparation has been good, but there's been a lot of other factors that have been thrown in along the way. So we've had to be very flexible. Um, What would some of those factors be? I know you mentioned the governor and the president. Are there any other factors that you feel have had a large influence on kind of the battle against this virus? Yes, I would say the lack of availability of testing supplies has been a huge issue. Um, It's been very frustrating for the community and also for us. We're not able to effectively track a disease if we can't test for it. So that's been very difficult. It's also been difficult having sort of a patchwork of different guidelines. Um, It's been difficult having so much misinformation out there, particularly in social media, about what people should and shouldn't do to protect themselves. So those are a couple of the things that have been um, a little bit frustrating for us to ensure that people stay safe. do you feel like uh, any of that might have to do with people themselves? I know you mentioned misinformation. Do you feel like, would you say that the um, struggles with people following restrictions or struggles with more kind of testing and um, supplies would be a bigger issue? Do you feel like there's a certain side that's had more weight to it? I think they've been equal. The difference between the two is on the testing side, um, not that we have any control, but we have a little bit more influence in order to go to the governor's office and ask for more support or go to the president and ask for more support um, and try to work through the university and different labs independently. In terms of folks following the guidance, that's really difficult because it's individual behaviors and obviously we can't be where 330,000 people are every minute, every day. So um, they've both been equally difficult, but I would say in different ways. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, no, I I understand that. Um, Kind of like different challenges uh, for each kind of area of it. Exactly, yeah. 
and with those rules, um, there is there are a few rules we wanted to talk about, the restrictions that have been placed around Boulder okay. County. Um, the first one would be the mask rule. Uh, Westward called it among the most sweeping in the state. Uh, it started the same day that our safer at home order began. Uh, could you explain some of the decisions or some of the um, reasoning that went through with this uh, strict mask order? Sure. So that was a really difficult decision for our organization and our leadership. There was a lot of discussion with the Colorado School of Public Health experts and our other health departments in the Denver metro area. What we came to, or what our leadership came to, was that although face coverings are not a panacea for uh, slowing the transmission of COVID-19, we found that there is a small, they do reduce the transmission a small percentage. So we really felt like we have to do everything we can to stop the spread of this disease. So that's why we made the order was why we made the order, but also made it flexible so that if folks felt like they could stay six feet away from somebody else that wasn't in their household, then they wouldn't need to be wearing a face covering. So we felt like we wanted to give people a little bit of flexibility if they didn't feel like they could wear a face covering, um, but also have that safety component in place. That, you know, it, it is helpful somewhat, and we need to do everything that we can. So that was kind of the discussions that went on and why we decided to move forward with it. With, uh, with earlier, you mentioned that it reduces the transmission a small percentage. What do you feel has been mm-hmm. the most effective way of pre- preventing transmission? Staying at home is the most effective way to prevent transmission. You know, obviously, the more we socialize, the more increased risk for transmission. So obviously cutting that down to not socializing is the most effective. We realize, however, that that's not realistic on a long term. Um, We're human beings, humans are social, and we all want to get out and socialize. So it continues to be distance is the most effective thing to do. It's just difficult to, I'm sure that this is your experience too, It's, it's unusual for Americans to stand very far apart from each other when we talk. So it's been difficult, I think, for people to remember to stay far apart and and not feel like they're being rude to somebody else culturally, you know what I mean? I understand. Do you feel like cultural cultural kind of uh, norms like that have been a challenge? I don't have anything definitive to say, but I would suspect that um, it is, it has had an impact, you know, in in Colorado, for example, we see our trails and our parks packed with people, not necessarily social distancing, because that is the sort of culture we have here in Colorado, and that's what people live here for. I'm not sure if that would be the same in another state where it's, it's less of a reason why people live in the state. Hmm. So back to kind of more of the restrictions, uh, we also... Mm-hmm. on. On the same day that we entered the mask requirement for Boulder County, we also moved from stay at home to safer at home. Could you um, could you help us understand some more of the bigger definitive differences between those two um, orders? Sure. So the the primary 
primary difference is stay at home was really you must stay home unless you need to do something very essential. Safer at home is we really think we really would like you to stay home, but you're not required to stay home. And it was sort of the first step in opening up the economy, getting folks back to work. So the, the main part of the safer at home was up to 50% of people can go back to their jobs if they must work in person. So that was a huge, huge step from going to no one working to a large percentage of people working. I would say that that is the biggest difference. And then it has progressed to opening other things such as um, hairdressers and dentist office and that sort of thing. So it's really going from let's stop all activity to let's slowly start to have some activity and watch our numbers, watch transmission, and during this time see see what sort of impact that has. So that's really where we are right now. There's, you know, a two-week delay from when we change orders to when we see a change in cases because it takes time for people to develop symptoms and transmit it to somebody else. So we're still waiting to see what sort of impact that has had opening up and, and, and having people gather more readily. With the safer at home order, when did Boulder County Public Health feel it was right to move from stay at home to safer at home? Uh, what influenced that decision? Uh, the, the primary influences were um, being able to have more contact people available to do contact tracing. So when we have more cases, it's going to be imperative that we're able to contact trace, meaning identify each person that came in contact with somebody who had the illness so that we can quickly have them isolate and not spread to somebody else. So we, Boulder County Public Health has three people, you know, in normal circumstances, we have three people who work on disease outbreaks and investigations. For this, we really need 30 people. So we needed time to identify people and train them. We also needed more testing available. And so we needed to be able to source supplies and get this set up, which we were able to do. And the third thing was that we there is a uh, site in uh, Larimer County, I believe it is, that is going to be opening up as an alternate care site. So when our hospitals get overwhelmed, that site will be there to take the overflow, to take the step down folks who are not critical but still need to be in the hospital. If we didn't have that available and we had just opened and many, many people got sick, then people would have died because we wouldn't have had the care available. So we needed that site to be set up. So those three things were in place when we um, went forward to the safer home. Is there a certain threshold that... Oh, uh, continue on. No, go ahead. Oh, I was going to just ask, is, is there a certain threshold for how um, the capacity needed? You know, I don't know the answer to that question. I'm sorry. Um, so the alternate care site is something that's being set up and managed by the state. So they probably did have a formula for how many beds they would need of a certain kind. But unfortunately, I'm sorry, I don't have that information. It's all right. It's no worries. What we were looking at was um, if there, what we want to see is no new cases 
no increase in new cases for 14-day period. We didn't get to that in order to open to the safer at home level, but we felt like it was steady enough that we weren't going to see a large surge and need an alternate care site. Mm. That helps explain it all. So with earlier, you also mentioned that part of safer at home was that people could go back to work in person. Um, how have mm-hmm. you been, how have you been assisting businesses when it comes to the outbreak? How, um, are there recommendations you've been making to them? Are there any certain, um, steps you want them to take as people begin to go back to work? Absolutely. So there is a whole lot of, uh, guidance for any business or organization that is opening up. It's all on the state health department's um, Safer at Home website. And we have helped with that by working directly, actually, with the Boulder County business community. So we talked to them about what was confusing in the state guidance, what would help them be able to be successful in opening their businesses safely. So we created checklists and posters We've partnered with the Chambers of Commerce locally, and we've been having um, multiple webinars every week with each different kind of sector to answer their questions and talk through, you know, whatever it is that they're having trouble with or any other resources that they might need. So it's been actually a really great partnership with the the business community. Um, We also take feedback from the community if they feel like a business is not adhering to the guidance so they can report that to us on our website and then our business team will follow up with the business for example let's say a grocery store and let them know hey we're we're hearing from people that folks aren't wearing masks in your store and I don't I can't think of anything else and so we'll work with them on sort of you know what's the trouble with that are you are you struggling how can we help you so that has been sort of the really close relationship we've had with businesses. The main guidance that they need to follow is the six-foot distance um, and wearing masks when they're working with people in the public or with colleagues. That's the primary thing. Um, And then if folks can work from home to do their job, we really recommend that they continue to do that. If they don't need to be in the office, it's better if they're not. Have you had to deal with any businesses so far who haven't been following regulations? Has it been a why has it been a large issue or has it been kind of smaller? I don't have the data on how many businesses we have been contacted about, but there have been many, many hundreds. Um, sometimes it's a very small misunderstanding about the guidance. Sometimes, um, for example, we got a lot of complaints about the fly, flower bin um, nursery in Longmont right around Mother's Day, and that is a huge day for um, flower shops and that sort of thing, and they were just packed. So we did have to go there multiple times repeatedly to help them figure out a different way to you know, make their money over this really important holiday, but do it in a safe way. Have most so, yeah, there's been a lot of a lot of businesses we've had to follow up with. Have most businesses been? Um, would you say that most businesses have been uh, following the rules? Yeah, I would say so. Even in these instances where someone reports it to us, it's usually an oversight or someone wasn't 
fully trained or they didn't understand. So generally, they've been very accommodating, very responsive, and really want to do the best thing they can for, for their customers. What would you say is currently the biggest concern um, that Boulder County has been uh, looking at with COVID? Is there anything currently pressing that um, they're trying to work with? I know we had talked about challenges a little bit earlier, but is there anything particularly right now that Boulder County is focused on? Our biggest concern right now is helping folks understand that this is not over. We are not out of the woods. Um, we really need people to continue to social distance. We really need people to wear face coverings when they can't social distance. We really need people to stay home when they can stay home. And I know it's getting tiring, and I know it's a huge struggle for folks from an economic standpoint, from a mental health standpoint, from a regular health standpoint as well. But if we're not careful, we are going to see a surge and many, many people are going to die. So I don't need to be too dramatic, um, but it, it, it's a concern that folks are feeling like, you know, okay, everything's opening up and we're getting back to work and therefore we can just go back to our regular life. And we've seen, you know, second waves in other countries, we've seen second waves in other states, and it's a concern if there's you know, a lot of transmission, particularly we know now we have people without symptoms who are spreading. So I personally are very, am very concerned that we're going to see a, a spike and it's going to be um, not only harmful for people's health, but, you know, if everyone in a, um, who works at a particular retail store gets sick from COVID, then the store can't be open. So it has an economic impact as well. So that's our primary concern at this point. And getting businesses open so they can do it safely. So both sides of that coin, I guess. So you said that people are treating it like it's over. Do you feel like that's kind of because of the um, safer at home? Or do you feel like there's any reason why people feel like it might be over? I think it is probably the safer at home. Um, you know, when you say to folks you can you can go back to work and you can open up, it sort of feels like, oh, okay, well, then I can just go back to my life. I also think it's because as humans, we can only stay inside by ourselves for so long. And um, I think there's just, everybody's just tired of it, myself included. And, you know, they want to get back to their lives and feel like there's some normalcy. So I don't blame anyone. I think it's completely natural, but um, it's a concern. So as we kind of draw a little closer to the end of our questions here, um, how would you say the fight against COVID has changed against, uh, uh, has changed over time? Um, have certain priorities shifted in terms of um, what needs to be done? Uh, has the has the action that Boulder County has been taking uh, remains the same over time, or has it kind of evolved alongside the um, the pandemic? That's an excellent question. I would say that if our response changes every single day because because of the nature of the virus. I think 
we thought we had a sense of what it was all about when it was in China, and it has changed. And there's new information, new research, um, so that that always is changing our response. For example, we didn't have clear information that it was being transmitted by asymptomatic people, so that changes our recommendations um, for people. Uh, we also continue to look at different data and um, slice it in different ways. For example, we didn't start out by looking at um, certain populations that were being more affected, but now we can see a clear trend that the Hispanic population in our county is much more impacted than white populations. So I think as as it has moved along, we absolutely have changed, I would say, day to day. I think um, I help manage the website. I think, you know, I'll have multiple updates to one single document of guidance in one day. So it really, it's just very fast moving and it's not like anything we've ever dealt with before. So I think that makes it just, you know, really difficult to respond to and we have to remain flexible and um, and the other part is really good communication with the state and the federal level and also our local governments. What do they need? What are they hearing? Um, are we starting to get pushback um, to, to our law enforcement? Are we, you know, just really like sort of having to respond to what's happening in our community and how people are feeling. We have received hundreds and hundreds of emails from the community, so we always are adjusting based on what concerns we're hearing from people as well. So I would say it's a, it's a continuously changing situation. You mentioned that uh, Hispanic populations in the county were being more heavily impacted. Have you done anything to address this or to assist that community? We have. So um, we now have um, everything available in Spanish as well. We have had that for quite some time, but we've increased that more. We are linked with um, what are called cultural brokers, which are representatives of particular communities who can help uh, transfer information or what the needs of the community are and we can help provide those needs and um, they're basically a trusted person in the community. Um, We have held um, Facebook live events in Spanish to provide information about the disease but also what resources are available like housing and unemployment. We've also provided details about what folks' rights are in terms of going to work and we heard from folks that they were afraid to say that they felt they had symptoms or they were afraid that they might have been exposed and didn't want to tell their workplace. That's particularly important for folks who may not um, be working here legally or folks who really can't afford to lose their jobs. But from our perspective, we really don't want people who may be sick to be in the office. So we really needed to reach out to help them understand that you have rights, you have protections, you can't be forced to work if you have COVID. Um, So providing all that information in Spanish and directly to the community as well are some of the things that we've done. We are now looking at mapping and looking at locations where there might be higher levels and then going directly to those neighborhoods and talking with people and, and making sure that they have access to 
testing and healthcare. Well, with these challenges that we've talked about, we've talked about which ones um, have already been phased, which ones uh, Boulder County is currently facing. Does Boulder County foresee any challenges that we have yet to face um, in the fight against COVID? Are there any that are in the future that we might not have um, seen yet? Or are there any that might be coming up or potential to happen? that we'll, we may see a spike or multiple spikes in cases and I just, I'm just concerned about having the bandwidth and resources in the community to manage that depending on how large it is um, other than that I guess the other thing would be um, in Boulder County and at Boulder County Public Health Organization we have our day-to-day jobs and we have been not doing those so that we can respond to COVID. So we are now needing to also do that work. And so that's a concern of how are we going to be able to continue to respond to COVID when we don't have additional staffing or funding to do our regular job as well. So I think that is definitely something that, we're, that we will be facing and trying to figure out and, and already are starting to try to figure out. There's also going to be significant cuts um, to our funding, including grants. So, again, that'll be another thing that we need to figure out. How do we provide the services um, that people need while responding to this pandemic? You mentioned that you had issues with staffing and funding. Is there any way that people in Boulder County or our listeners can help your organization? really good question I, I I mean we're always open to having folks volunteer so they can certainly come to our website and um, fill out a form to offer whatever expertise they have if they're able to volunteer um, in terms of funding it really would be you know telling the governor that public health needs to be funded properly um, we were underfunded to start out with So I think it's really what's important is the community saying to the government, hey, we think public health is important and we want to make sure it continues to be funded. So it's not a a direct help, but um, I think if the community, the voters say, hey, this is important to me, then that, that will help funding in the long run. Is there anything else that you would want our listeners to know right now? Or is there anything that you would like our listeners to walk away knowing or remembering? I think the most important message is that this isn't over. So be really intentional about who you decide to spend time with. Um, Monitor your symptoms. Take care of your loved ones who aren't able to get out, who may become very, very sick or die from this disease. I think the the most important message is really just to be intentional about the activities that you're participating in and keep them a small number um, so that you're reducing transmission in in more places, if that makes sense. I think that's the key message. For, for, For example, I decided 
I wanted to spend time with my brother and his family. So that's another contact that I had, but I was very intentional. Like, this is an important relationship. It's part of our family. Um, I want to make sure my mom can also see them. So I was clear about that. I didn't go and meet with 10 friends in one day. So just being really intentional and slow about opening up your circle, I guess I would say. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Okay. Thank you, Chana, so much for coming to talk with us today. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. I was glad we were able to talk. Me too.